from the boardroom to the locker room, sport captures the imagination like little else. In this podcast, we talk to the men and women who make the big decisions and those who make the big plays to find out where sport is and, importantly, where it's going. But we do so through the only eyes that matter, those of the fan. everybody to another edition of are you not entertained this time this week it's me it's rog it's goal on goal roger mitchell come in how are you mate i'm very good how are you you're back in the uk aren't you it's been rumored it's been rumored it's been rumored yes but you know me roger can't tell you where i am in the world i mean good no, no definitely i can't dispel the mystique no the only reason i was asking was whether um you had toodled along to the new stadium or not and you managed to catch the game? No, 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 no. I did not go and see uh, Fulham's magnificent victory over Liverpool, which uh, I caught the end of. Um, I have to say, Rog, what a what a fine, fine, fine victory that was for Fulham. Well, it, it, it was two each, mate, was it not? You call it what you want. I'm calling it a victory. Oh, right. Okay, okay. We're, okay, sorry. Because I, I thought I was I'd expecting to get drilled for nothing. Well, you know, that's what the, the zeitgeist was and the whole, you know how everything goes around fantasy now. That was the, the whole thing, you know, like um, Salah captain today against Fulham and, you know, how many was he going to get? I instead thought that you would get a result today. Um, and uh, I, 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 I mean, you know, actually the interesting thing about this now, Grant, is that I think that fantasy is the modern bonding father and son in football. So, you know, we've spent the last 48 hours debating our fantasy team. And, um, you know, I, uh, you know, you go through all the things. But what he, what, ha- what happens is that he does all the research, you know, and it's, it's interesting. It's like portfolio theory. You know, he does all the research with the budget and where's, where's the best value and, you know, what are you picking on the major, the, the major decisions? The major decisions are basically uh, Haaland versus Kane, um, Son versus Salah in some way and then everybody else is kind of like making up the budget and he, here's what he said about um, Fulham to give you an idea you know um, Pereira's ridiculous value at 4.5 million plays behind Mitrovic and is on free kicks so we had him on the bench um, so I, I, you know when we were talking about all of that um, one of the reasons on the bench is he thought that Liverpool would really win today and, and I thought well teams that come up the first game, at least, they give it everything. Um, and I thought Mitrovic had something to prove today. And um, I wasn't surprised, Grant. I wasn't surprised. Did you now, Did you have Mitrovic in your team? No. No, you just can't. You know, like, this is the thing. It's actually portfolio theory. There's certain things you say that are good value, but they just don't fit in because you've committed your budget elsewhere. You know, like, yeah, I mean, I'll give you, you know, for example, we've got Neto. Because, like, you know, he, he sends me notes before we decide. He said, Neto's ridiculous value at 5.5. Everything you want from enabler. Bailey, Aston Villa, is a bit of a punt. Huge preseason performance. Pretty sure Matty Cutler will have him, who's one of our competitors. Uh, Ward is Leicester backup keeper. He's there because Schmeichel is probably going to get transferred and he'll be first pick. For 4 million, that's great value. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's what I would call serious investment banking research that then, yeah. you know, you take to the senior guy in this case uh, for age, that's me. 
And I talk about more of the macro qualitative stuff, you know, like the kind of thing I've told you about there. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't think Liverpool would go off to a good start. I, I, I've actually think they're not going to have a great season, taking a lot of heat from that, Grant. Um, I thought I think I thought Arsenal would do well. They did do well. Um, but it's, it's what I say. I think it's modern father-son bonding, you know, like to, 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 to look at your fantasy team. I think it's uh, I think it's probably um, a result of growing up in England in the 1970s, Rog, but uh, I've never discussed any of my fantasies with my father. I can't think of anything, <laughs> anything more awful, frankly. You're, avoid, you're avoiding the subject. This is a serious subject. There's now 10 no. million players that pay, play fantasy. It is, <clears throat> look, it is amazing. It is amazing, actually, um, I have to say. And uh, But uh, look, I'll be honest with you. I enjoy just watching the games. I enjoy not not having to think about them and just enjoying the games and not worrying about who I've got picked. You know, I, 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 living in, in the US time zone and being able to watch all the Premier League games basically every week, it's just a joy being able to get up on Saturday morning and, and the first game's at 7.30 in the morning and you can watch it right the way through till, you know, what, two in the afternoon if you want to. And without anything on the line, it's just great to be able to watch it, right? So I, it, but do you I, enjoy I, these games without anything at stake, Grant? This, this is a serious point. Are you going to watch Crystal Palace, Arsenal, if you've got nothing at stake? I, I, I will, Rog, but I won't. I'll, I'll have it on in the background. I'm, I'm generally working on a Saturday, so I'm, I'm sitting there writing or I'm yeah. doing whatever I'm doing, and I have it on in the background. And it's, I don't know, I guess it's, it's a familiar soundtrack to your life. And the beauty of games like the Premier League is – you you never miss anything because you you just you're 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 subliminally tuned into the crowd, and you get when the crowd yeah, reaches yeah. some kind of crescendo, you you turn to the screen, you look what's happening. So for me, it's just it's fabulous, and I would frankly, I would hate to have to pour over stats every week to before I could sit and watch the games at the weekend. Well, you see that you're not doing it. You're not doing it every week because you know I think that's the wrong way to do it. Like a portfolio, you know, if you're trading in and out every week, you're you're. You're, you're you're losing. You know, we 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 take it about five six game um, uh, series because you obviously have to look at the opposition as well, and we will do very little trading between um, that kind of like uh, two month period, uh, and you know that I think that's the way you have to do it. You have to take a position on the big plays, like I said, Kane over Haaland. That's a major theme. Um, Salah, uh, Salah, whichever way you want to cut it, you know, one could say, oh, he's just signed a new contract. That usually means that they're a wee bit lazy. lackadaisical, lazy, yeah, you know. Yeah. We know that. You know, We know that. Young kids that just look at data don't. And, you know, I said he's not going to have a good game today, Luca, and he was having a shit game, but there you go. You know, like Salah plays for 10 minutes, assist, uh, goal, and we've got him as our captain. So happy days, mate. Happy days. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, no, it was. It was. I have to say, just uh, to see Fulham give a good account of themselves was. They did, they I, I did think great for, for, for every Fulham fan. That's all you can hope for, right? We just what we, what we didn't want is first game back in the Premier League to get battered four 0 When I, when I saw the fixtures come out, I thought, oh no, this is just this is not the mindset you want to go into the second week, you know, having been shelled. But they did great. I mean, they they, they, <laughs> they did great. They did great. They, they, it was backs to the wall, but uh, they did great. And if, if they play like that for the rest of the year, you know, they'll have a chance to stay in upwards, which is, which is really all that matters this year. Well, you know, there's, there's next been, year. Yeah, there's been a lot of articles around the start of the season about where the premiership is in life now. And, and you know, if you look at it, uh, you know, Robbie, Robbie Young, who's a friend of, of the podcast, from Animoca, he he did a tweet saying that the, of the the ten trending um, 
items on Twitter just now, seven are about uh, football. Um, whichever way you cut it, and this is often, often for, forgotten, uh, whether it's cultural connection or sports biz, football is everything. Everything else is what I call the summer break. And there's sports that come in there and we enjoy them and we love them and everything. It's like the NFL in the States. Football is like that. just about to make the same comparison. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think once you realise that, your idea about how you deal with all the issues that we talk about when we're a wee bit more serious on here are, are much easier to concentrate on. You know, so they're talking about now the Premiership. Nothing new that we haven't already said. The Premiership is now struggling with its massive success over 30 years. Um, you know, uh, there was a couple of big articles I really enjoyed. You know, they talk about yo-yo clubs. One of your, your club is one of them. Um, you know, what's the, I mean, you probably enjoy being a yo-yo club. Knowing you as a fan now, you prefer a relegation battle and a promotion battle to simple mid-table. I think you do. You know, so yeah, you know, Rog, it's, you. Funny, it's funny you say that. Yeah, I, 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 you're absolutely right. I hadn't really thought about it, uh, to be honest. But uh, while I, I didn't enjoy, it, let's face it, the last couple of years, they weren't much of a relegation battle. <laughs> we kind of waved yeah. the right flag about halfway through the season. But you're right, when there's something to play for, you know, you know it, it, it'll be uh, lightning in a bottle if Fulham challenge for anything in the Premier League. But having something to play for every week and meaningful results has been has been great. I mean, I, I have to say, I mean, the, the relegation sucked, but last year, what a year that was to be a Fulham fan. Yeah. Anyway, listen, we can't talk about Fulham all day. I can, I can talk about Fulham all day, but no one wants to listen to that nonsense, not, not even the yeah. people who are Fulham fans. So uh, what, what have you got for me this week in Goal on Goal? Uh, okay, uh, I think I'd like to start uh, with something you posted during the week, uh, which is a wonderful topic, uh, Vince Scully, baseball commentator. Ah, yes, 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 yes. I had this song. Glad you brought this up. Um why don't you tell people, because as always, you lived in America for many, many years. You understand it more, but I, I will let you to t- to tell about what Vin, uh, Vin was. Uh, in comparison to what I always see more and more these days, which are screaming Twitch uh, streamers yeah. uh, that are yeah. dominating the memes and are working. And, and then you see somebody like Vin Scully and you think... I do anyway, I can only speak for myself. I, I keep thinking, you know, yeah, okay, that's winning. It's all about, you know, these screaming memes and everything like that. But the skill of Vin to like comment a slow game like baseball, and he almost yeah. almost always did it on his own. There was no co-commentator, almost always yeah. an institution, eh? Yeah, look, he, Vin Scully sadly died at 94 this week. He was, he was known as the voice of the Dodgers. Um, he, he was commentated on, on Dodger games for 67 years from the, from the booth at Dodger Stadium. Um, and he was, Roger, he, he was a national institution and, and his, his, his skill was exactly as you've described it. He could, he could take a game like baseball. Yeah, it was the same, it was the same skill that the, the old Radio 4 cricket commentators had, you know, to be able to sit there and, and commentate for a five-day test match. But then they had... They had other guys in the in the booth with yeah. them, right? But Brian yeah. Johnston being the, the kind of apex of that pyramid. But Vin Scully just um he was just wonderful. You know, he was he was everybody's grandfather, he was everybody's father, he was just one of these friendly, comforting voices who loved the game, he loved the Dodgers, he he loved baseball. And as you say, he had this beautiful way of commentating where he would he would tell stories um at at during at bats, 
and and break from the story to just call the pitch. So you know, he's telling this amazing story about something, and and he just he was such a great storyteller. Doesn't matter what he was talking about, you were you were hanging on every word of the story, wondering where it was going, and he he'd pause in the in the story to just say, you know, swing and a miss or. The count is at one and two, or just he'd take you back to the baseball just for a sentence, just a sentence. And it was enough to let you know where you were, what you were there for, and then back to the story. And, you know, Roger, you, you, you talk about the contrast with the, the meme culture of today and the screaming and the, and the hyperbole and the, all the noise that surrounds this stuff. You know, some of his, some of his greatest pieces of commentary, and, and you'll find them all over um, Twitter this last couple of weeks, and we should probably post a few of them, um, the one I posted to you was just magnificent. That long story he told, um, but yeah, he famously wolf, yeah. he famously uh, was commentating when Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's home run record. Really? Um, yeah, and he uh, he basically just sat there in silence and let the guy run around the bases. And as he came into home plate, he talked about you know what a, what a marvelous thing for a, for a black man in the deep South to be given a standing ovation who'd just broken. A record of you know baseball's biggest hero, who was a white man from the northeast. Yeah, um, and it was those, it was those silences, and Vince Scully just seemed to be everywhere. He was uh, he was also commentating when I don't know if you remember this, but every baseball fan will when Kirk Gibson scored the pinch hit home run to win the World Series for the Dodgers. Yes, in nineteen eighty eight, and again, you know that was Vince Scully commenting on that and. Uh, you know, talking about in, in, in it, I think his words were something like, "In a year of improbables, the impossible just happened." I think it was something, <laughs> something beautiful like that. And he just had this talent, Rog. You know, he was he was a special broadcaster, one you don't get. And, and I, it's interesting you brought up the twitch and the hyperbole and stuff because, to me, the the skill in broadcasting is knowing when to be silent. And knowing when to let the pictures speak for themselves. But, you know? but is, it no, is it no Grant? No, no, look, look, maybe it isn't now, Rog. Maybe it isn't now. Maybe it isn't now. I, 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 it's something we can talk about. But for me, um, and obviously, Vince Scully grew up and was and became a big name during the era of the transistor radio, right? So all he had was his voice, but he still had this ability to to be quiet and let the action talk and let people look at the pictures before you know breaking the silence at exactly the right time, and and. And bringing you back and, and talking about what you'd seen, so I think he's he's you know the the, the kind of end of another era, uh, an era of old school broadcasters. You know, he he commentated on Sandy Koufax's perfect game in the World Series in the <laughs> 1960s. You know, he he was just there, and it's a it's a great shame that he's gone. Um, but I think what he symbolises and what he was one of the last torchbearers of is also going, uh, which speaks to your point. And, and I think that's that's a great shame. You know, for me, guys like Vince Scully make baseball worth listening to um, on the radio, and there there aren't many left like him, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's a good, a good tribute. I, I saw that this week. At the same time, I started watching the documentary you recommended about magic on Apple TV. Yes. And, um, you know, it just shows you that things change you know, when the NBA magic came into was not the NBA of today. No, you know? it was not. And uh, obviously it's the same context as, as, as Bill Russell passing on. So you start thinking about things. But, you know, looking at that documentary, which I absolutely would recommend as, as you had before, um, 
the power of what I call box office has not changed. That's one thing that hasn't changed, Grant. You know, the Lakers, nobody turned up. The NBA was seen as a thuggish gangster league. Um, Magic comes, showtime. He's a young lad and 19. He doesn't even finish college. Um, takes that team by the scruff of the neck, despite Kareem being there. You know, how do you do that? How do you, where do you get the personality to do that, Grant? Amazing. Well, I think, I, I think if you watch the documentary, Roz, by the time you finish it, you know, right? Magic Johnson is just such a unique individual in, in every way, right? His personality, his, his strength of character, his will, his athletic ability. I mean, he's just an unbelievable, unbelievable um, human being. And it, and it comes through, but, but you're right. You know, that, that, the, 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 the serendipity of Magic and Bird for the NBA cannot be overestimated. Um, you know, bef- they came before Michael Jordan. Um, you know, without without Magic and Bird, maybe there is no Michael Jordan. Maybe there is no era. Maybe there's no money behind um, uh, the NBA yeah. like, like there was. Well, David to- Stern needs a mention as well. As a po- yeah, no, no, as- look, abs- yeah. absolutely. But without Magic and Bird, he had two stars to build something around. Yeah. And he did it brilliantly, let's face it. But um, again, you know, it just it, you just go back to a time, Rog, where you know it, it was very different to the type of um, promotional stuff that you talk about today, right? It, what what they had here were two sensational athletes who were so different in personality, in nature, in athletic ability, all of it, but each an absolute legend in their own rights, and the league basically built itself around their talents and use their talents to promote the league as opposed to a lot of today, which is people trying to manufacture stories around people to promote. Um, no, I hear you. You're, 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 I keep I going back you. to your boxes, you know. Um, it's but, 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 let's, you know but let me I'm, just give you an example of this. And, and you know that I, I, I'm the same generation as you, so I need to be like you. And I am like you if you really scratch it away at the surface. But, you know, um, my, both my kids have come back from, from uni now and we're here and we had lunch this morning together and, you know, just catching up. And, um, you know, my, my daughter casually throws in this line, you know you can get the prime energy drink at Arsenal now. And I said, what? She knows nothing about football. Valentina knows nothing about football. I right. said, Do you know what cut... And uh, no, but you know, because you can't get prime anywhere else. And, and KSI has done a deal with Arsenal and he was in the all or nothing documentary and, and she's pumped. She's pumped about Arsenal. You know, <laughs> she, she wasn't, the football were never, was never going to get her as a customer. And, uh, so, you know, the, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, and that's the fascination of it, the, the complexity and the nuance of it not being black and white. I, I, I love, you know, we, we started this podcast around the time Richie Benno died for, for exactly the yeah. reason we are talking about yeah. here. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a, I just find, Grant, it's a moment, and, and it's not just in sport, it's in politics and everything that, I just find a lot of volatility and craziness that is 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 it's just difficult to get your head around and 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 rationalize. Well, it's, it's interesting with Valentina because um, I'd be curious to see what happens next, Rog. When you say she's pumped about Arsenal, is she? Like, is she going to start watching Arsenal games? Is she going to? Don't think so. Buy an Arsenal but she, but, but no, she, no, 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 so. I'm, so I'm curious as to know what what this actually means, right? Because yes, you're right. It's brought 
some awareness to someone, but I'm really curious as now to see what that translates into, because is it just, is she's a KSI fan and happens yes, to see the story it. about Arsenal? Right. Yes. Does that have any crossover appeal for Arsenal? I, I'm really interested to see, because in there lies the reality of what they're all trying to do, right? Because they are all trying to get these new fans and see these cross-platform types as ways to bring KSI fans to Arsenal. And I, I just don't know whether that will happen or not. It'd be fascinating to find out. Well, yeah, and I think that is the whether you talk about the challenges of women's football or you talk about the challenges of the demographic cliff in all of sport, whether it's golf or baseball coming back. In some way, in my head, I've got this picture of this, you know, raging uh, torrent that's passing by you on the left. That is the modern, the modern media customer. They're probably about average age fourteen, something like that, and they're in that torrent, and all everybody is on the bank of this this river, and you've got to get your your rod in there with some bait that works to hook them, right. you know. Because that torrent isn't coming past your house or past your stadium. You have to go to the torrent and hook it out. And, you know, KSI is an Arsenal fan, a genuine Arsenal fan. There's nothing constructed about that. Um, she's pumped for his next fight. She told me the date. She told me we have to subscribe to the zone. Um, oh, and, and as I say, by the way, if anybody wants to get Prime, Prime, not uh, Prime the drink, uh, the only way you can get it in London, apparently, is at, at Highbury, or sorry, the Emirates. Um, you know, so it, it's bizarre. You know, like there's no way that you can just say, oh, that's horrible, it doesn't work. It's, it's the world we live in, Grant. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree. I'm, I am, I'm just, I'm really interested by this to, to, to hear that story about Valentina. So you have, to, you have to keep us posted on that, right? Keep us posted yeah, as, uh, yeah, as she yeah. goes on her either very long or very short journey of being uh, interested in the Hoxton. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, now I hijacked, I hijacked your, your your first one there, so with the, with uh, with Vin. So what, what else have you got? Well, well I, would, I would stick on basketball um, and I would stick on women's sport and make a little um, nice segue to uh, this um, this poor soul, Brittany Griner. Um, yes. Which... Uh, Again, it's what I was alluding to before, this this moment of craziness everywhere you look. Um, for people that don't know, Brittany Griner is a very successful women's NBA player. She's American, uh, who currently, and I'm reading this from a, a newspaper, just to show you that you know, Brittany Griner was sentenced to nine years in a mm -hmm. Russian Penal colony. I mean, like, we're at Dostoyevsky here. It's the fucking gulag. Penal colony on drug smug smuggling charges, concluding the trial phase, um, and now the heightened calls for Biden and Putin to get together on a prisoner swap. I mean, it's like, you know, uh, Checkpoint Charlie, you know, she's walking one way, and this, you know, I don't know what it is, spies going the other way. But, I mean... Grant, how do you, how do you read all of this and feel free to widen it out into um, Taiwan and Nancy and you know what's oh, going boy. on, Grant? It seems as if a lot of people are looking to throw some sparks on some very dry tinderwood. Yeah, look, we're we're in a we're in a time of enormous political upheaval, Rog, and we don't have leaders who are up to the task. That's at the bottom of this, right? Um, the Nancy Pelosi thing this last week was just 
utterly reckless. I mean, there's, there is, there's no justification for it, no matter what platitude she comes out with about, you know, standing by our democratic partners. It's just, it's just inflammatory and reckless, and it, it, it will cause problems, for sure. We've already seen basically a blockade of Taiwan by the Chinese military, and they're, you know, they're making uh, incursions over the dividing line between the two countries. And, you know, they're going to keep pushing until something, there's an incident somewhere. And that is all down to Nancy Pelosi deciding that in times like these where every country is struggling, she's happier to try and score what she thinks will be domestic points um, by going to Taiwan. Um, you know, she, th- she thinks that will somehow make her look good at home, when the reality of it is most Americans, A, couldn't find Taiwan on a map, and B, don't care anything about it, especially if you said to them that you're going to have to send Americans over there to fight with China. It's just utterly ridiculous. Um, the Brittany Griner thing, you know, again, it just highlights the hypocrisy. They're talking on the one hand about um, how ridiculous it is for her to be sentenced to nine years imprisonment for this drug charge. At the same time, there are thousands, tens of thousands of Americans in prison for marijuana. Um so it's it's the, the these are very dark times, Roger. That is the simple truth, right? We are in a we're in a, we're in a dark dark time, and the leaders that we have to shepherd us as a population through these dark times are wantonly and woefully not up to the task. And I I do fear the worst. I mean, there is dry, as you said, there's dry tinder everywhere, and there are idiots running around drunk with open petrol cans, waving their arms everywhere. Um, and then just for fun, kind of throwing matches near where the petrol is. It's just, it's it's ridiculous, frankly. And and something bad is going to happen somewhere. Um, I don't know what it is or where it will happen, but it will happen because they're all they're all awful. Well, let let me keep you on um, your day job a little bit. Um, it's nothing heavy. It's um, a link to Gary Lineker, who um, I would just like your view on Gary Lineker, who. I think a long time ago gave up the the narrow uh, lane of being a football pundit and has expanded into some kind of cultural warrior, philosopher, king, every man. I don't know what it is. Um, he's doing most of that on the taxpayer's dime as an employer of the BBC. So uh, he posts something, he retweets something from the economic world. Uh, economist Grace Blakely says... Raising interest rates won't help control inflation because inflation has been driven by rising energy prices. Uh, Grace is also clear the idea of a wage price spiral is nonsense, blah, 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 blah. Right, so a a one in a million opinion you get on Twitter about economics. Gary Lineker retweets this saying, spot on Grace Blakely. What the fuck is he doing talking about whether raising interest rates are the appropriate policy to deal with inflation or not? That really annoys me, Grant. Well, Rog, I I, I would ask you this. What are you and I doing talking about it? Right? We have got, it is our day job. I mean, no, that's that's fine. But there's, 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 there's a line here that he's expressed an opinion. He's expressing a view, whether he's right or wrong. He he has become a polarizing character, and for the record, I actually really like Gary Lineker. I, I've I've got no problem with the stuff he does. I think I think he's got a good sense of humor. I think he he takes a few jabs at people. I, I haven't followed 
all of the you know Justice Warrior stuff. I I, I think I've I've read that he's a bit kind of up himself with some of that stuff. I I don't know. I haven't seen it. But he's a guy with an opinion and a mouthpiece and a social media platform, as we all are these days. It just so happens that he's a high-profile one. Now, the argument here, I suppose, is should the BBC tell him to not yes. air his personal opinions? Yes. Right, well, so that's the question. Why? So why should he not be allowed to express a personal opinion? Because, different to you and I, who um, are not employed by anybody apart from ourselves, he is uh, being paid uh, very handsomely to uh, to talk about football on the BBC. Um I don't think that gives him the right to use that platform because it is a big platform to, uh, uh, listen, whether he's got the right to do it or not, I don't think he has, but I hear you, you say it's not a problem for you, fine. From his point of view, I don't think it's very smart. You know, as you say- Well, that's a different question. That's a different I know, I know, but I know, like, so like, I haven't come on here thinking, oh, here's my thesis about why Gary Lineker's a bad guy. I'm telling you, it annoyed me. And maybe the fact that it annoys me is is enough in the sense that he should take note of that. There's a lot of people that actually think in terms of a football player, he was one of the decent ones. He was one of the smart ones. He went to live, uh, play in, in Spain. He went to play in Japan. Nobody can say he's insular little Englander. Um, he's a bright guy. He looks good on TV. He's a great broadcaster. And all of this other shit, I'm almost arguing as if I was his advisor. You know, like, why do this crap, Gary? Because you're playing to your weak suit. You know nothing about this. Like, you don't know an awful lot about, you know, green energy and, you know, the case for nuclear and is there too not enough uranium. He doesn't know this stuff, so why doesn't he just shut up and just so, dribble, just dribble? You know what I mean? So, so Rog, is the headline here... Uh, Underinformed man in shock Twitter post. Because if that's the case, we're all guilty. We all do it. Right? <laughs> it just so happens, it's you know, shock horror. Man who doesn't know what he's talking about posts his thoughts on social media. Um, you know, look, I, I think for me, I get your point, but the platform he's using is Twitter, not the BBC. He has a platform thanks to his profile. But look, he was a he played in the World Cup semi-final. He captained England. He was the leading goal scorer until Rooney overtook him. It's not like he didn't have a platform. Um, he's offering his opinions. He's not become Russell Brand, right, which is another way you could go. He offers opinions on stuff, but he also mixes it in with jokes and light-hearted stuff and whatever. Right, he's just okay. being a normal okay. person on Twitter. To me, it's All right, just, I'll, it, I, I, I hear you. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't like it, um, uh, but I hear you. It's not bothering you, so I'll, I'll reflect on that. Uh, but the fact is that he's saying spot on, saying that interest rates won't help control inflation is fucking absurd, Grant. I mean, like you can you can have an opinion on on Twitter, and somebody have another opinion, but that is factually incorrect. Factually incorrect. There is a, a distinct correlation between inflation and interest rates that many many decades of economic theory have talked about. Well, hang on, Roger. I would I would point point you towards the fact that in the last week the Biden administration have redefined what a recession is. So yes. who's to say that years, <laughs> decades of, of economic proof about a certain theory matters anymore? Who knows? Um, listen, I, you, you touched, you, you, you kind of had a throwaway line in our chat about Vin Scully where you, where you mentioned Bill Russell and this was another 
one of mine yes. this week. Um, sadly, another another uh, sporting legend who passed away, uh, the great Bill Russell, um, who was the centre for the Boston Celtics back in the in the late fifties and sixties. Um, just a remarkable athlete and a, and a remarkable man. Um, he, his career was extraordinary. You know, he was five five MVPs, which ties him with Jordan for second behind Kareem. Um, he had back to back, I think, NCAA titles. He won the Olympic gold medal, um, and he played NBA basketball for thirteen years, during which time he won eleven championships. It's a, it's absolutely an extraordinary, extraordinary career, Rog. But but away from that, you know, he was he was so much more than that. He was mm-hmm. also the first black yeah. coach in the NBA. He was the first black coach yeah. to win a championship in the NBA. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame as a player and a coach, uh, which is amazing. Um, he had over t- t- eleven or twelve seasons with a thousand rebounds. Um, but I, I look at. I look at all his stats, and there's one that leaped out at me that, that didn't get much mm. uh, coverage. He played in 11 deciding games, either the fifth game of a five-game series or the seventh game of a seven-game series. He played in 11 of them, and he was 11 and How many did he lose? Yeah, zero. None. He lost so, none. Yeah, th- this is a guy who was just, you know, down to it. The, the Celtics famously had a, had a, a defense called the Hay Bill defense. Um, because he was so quick moving around the uh, moving around the key that if anyone was in trouble, they just shout, "Hey, Bill!" Because they knew he could jump over, double team the guy, and get back to his man if they managed to get the ball to him. It was that quick. But um, yeah, there was a there was a great um, a quote. I'm not sure who who made it, uh, but when, when talking about um, Bill Russell this week, I wrote this quote down. Hang on. Um, so there are two types of superstars. One makes himself look good at the expense of the other guys on the floor. But there's another type who makes the players around him look better than they are, and that's the type Bill Russell was. You know, and, and that was very much the um, the kind of the the, the 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 widely held opinion of Bill Russell. Yeah. And the other great quote was um, uh, another guy on that Celtics team with him called um, called Tom Heinsohn, who uh, who said he said, um, "Look, all I know is the guy came to Boston and won 11, 11 championships in thirteen years." And they named a fucking tunnel after Ted Williams, which is which is which is great. You know, Ted Williams was a was a, a baseball player with the Boston Celtics, and and again a Hall of Fame baseball player. But uh, about 10, 12 years ago, the NBA actually uh, named the Finals MVP award after Bill Russell. So whoever this is, the NBA Finals MVP now gets the Bill Russell Award, which is fantastic. I mean, here's a guy that that did as much for civil rights and. Um, the underprivileged, extraordinary life, outside extraordinary the game. Just, life. just, just remarkable. Um, and I have to say, Rog, with the passing of Bill Russell and Vin Scully within forty-eight hours of each other this past week, it really hit home to me that that the the guys that I grew up as a sports fan, first of all hearing about, um, and then getting to watch the footage and and in Vin Scully's case, listen to the listen to him uh, do what he did so brilliantly. It really struck home to me that that, that era and the, the stars and the legends of that era, the era that I grew up and was my education in a lot of games, is is dying off. And so the conversation that we have ongoing basis on this podcast about the future and how it changes, you know, is changing dramatically because all the links to the past, one by one, but are, it's more than that. Sli- Grant, I, I know. Yeah, no, it is. I, I, I know what you mean. It's more than that. It's it's um, 
the appearance of the door that's got the, 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 the word written on it, mortality. It's, um, it's coming into view for you and I now and for all of us. In fact, somebody, somebody on Twitter uh, wrote to me saying, um, the phrase you're seeking is that 55 plus is known as a sniper's alley uh, because it could be any time now. And, and you know, it's, it, it, but it is, it's like, it is poignant. It, it, all of these things were, 10 years ago, it was a trickle grant. These people that we knew uh, dying off, it was a trickle every so often, but now it's a pretty consistent drip, you know? Yeah, it's one a week, it's uh, one uh, a week at least. And it's a wee bit disconcerting. I completely understand what you're talking about, mate. But, you know, to lighten that mood, that modelling mood for a second, um, one of the things I absolutely loved uh, talking about the passage of time was um, Liz McCogan's daughter uh, doing exactly like her mother did in the Commonwealth Games, uh, winning the 10,000 metres. Now, I haven't seen any of the Commonwealth Games. It's not covered here. And I'm relying on Twitter to to, to give me the, the juice. And obviously, um, I saw this. The most remarkable thing, uh, she looks like her mother, she runs like her mother, and, you know, when she's grinding, you know, that last 600 metres and she's under the gun, she's got the same expression of pain as her mother did. And, you know, then, you know, the, the, the goal is when... You know, she's she's there and it's Flower of Scotland and 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 just wonderful, wonderful. And I always think as the parent, how the hell do you even like manage to stay and watch that yeah. without just exploding, you know? Yeah. Um so that was a beautiful moment that um is the good thing about the the, the passage of the generations. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't seen it. I've I've not seen obviously for for, for reasons uh, fairly plain. They don't televise an awful lot of the Commonwealth Games in no. America. So no, neither really here. No, see, neither here. You don't really get to. You don't really get to see much of it. But um, all, all I've seen is that the Aussies have, have winning goals by the wheelbarrow full. Is that right? Uh, it seems to be. I think they've won thirty nine goals in, in the first four days of the of the competition, from what I could figure out. Obviously, most of those in the pool, which they are want to dominate at Commonwealth Games. Yeah, that's their games, thing. So. That's their thing. But yeah, so um, what, what else have you got, mate? I've um, I'll, t- I'll, tell you what else I've got. I'll tell you what else I've got. Something that something I saw, which is it was an old video clip, but I hadn't seen this, and it's it's about four or five years old, right? and maybe you'll remember this. I hadn't seen it until I saw it this week, and I thought, oh, we ha- I have to bring this up. And this was the, the he was a, a goalkeeper in the German Bundesliga, uh, playing for I think he was either playing against Bayern, no, he played for Mainz. Mainz against yeah, yeah. Bayern Munich. So there's there's forty six sorry against Borussia Mönchengladbach. There's forty six thousand people there, uh, and he gets a back pass, and he's he's right by the penalty spot. The ball gets hit to him. He like goes to control it with his foot, and it just spins a little bit behind him. And he's looking up the pitch. The ball spins behind him, and you can tell that he's looking out the corner of his eye, sees the penalty spot, and thinks it's the ball. He just sees something white out the corner of his eye. So he takes a swipe at the penalty spot. <laughs> There's no ball there. The ball's about a yard behind him. Suddenly he realises what he's done. Crisis is averted just about. I'll, I'll, post the, I'll post the... Yeah, um, please do. I'll I have not the video seen Because it was, it was absolutely superb. And it, he's, you know, it, there was an initial like horror and then they showed a clip of like his teammates were giving him a high five, like, you absolute idiot. <laughs> but it was brilliant. He literally tried to kick the penalty spot <laughs> into touch. 
Well, the, see, the, the, these incidents here are the ones I talk about that are the, the what everything. I mean, if you looked at your game today, Fulham, Liverpool, um, and and you know the the goal goes in, the goal goes in for Fulham, and you you go in one nil up. I think I think that's the case. You went up one nil up, and then you know you you go on, you go into Twitter at half time and. Literally, these people are so quick. You know, there's one I saw that made me laugh. That <laughs> there's this guy in the red carpet, um, nothing to do with football. He was some kind of actor in, in South America, someone like that. <laughs> you know, the, the interviewer in the red carpet obviously said the wrong thing because this guy whacks him. You know, like a slap across the face, whacks him hard, and of course that means nothing unless you've got the little comment from the memeer. And these people are just genius, you know, like <laughs> clop if you ask them for a halftime interview. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> and and like I know you don't do this, but it is the way to watch football now. It's constantly and funny. These people are really <laughs> So, you know, like, yes, Vince Scully, but let's not forget, <laughs> let's not forget the memes because they are glorious. They have allowed yeah, no, the football I, I, I fan, they're creative. <laughs> last thing, last thing I want to talk to you about, um, uh, because it is important, and I call it under the heading of sport, um, sport having the legal system breathing down its neck. Now, um, I'll mention a couple of other ones, but then we'll talk about the main one. Uh, obviously, last year we had the Supreme Court and the NCAA and the, the image rights mm -hmm. and everything like that that has completely set off a chain of events that's ripping the NCAA apart. UEFA is under a couple of legal cases um, around what people are saying is a monopoly, is antitrust, there's um, a restriction of trade. One is from a Luxembourg club that wants to play in France or Holland or something like that. And obviously the other one is for the Super League teams and everything like that. And then you've got um, the live golfers who uh, are <laughs> going after the tour yeah. as a monopoly. Now, we, first of all, since I don't follow golf that much, and since you've got privileged channels of communication, what is the latest you think where we are with Live, and and is this legal thing really going to ramp up now? Well, the, yeah, the, 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 that toothpaste is out the tube. The, the, the lawsuit's been filed. Um, you know, we had this ahead of the, the Scottish Open, I think, where Poulter and a few others got a, a temporary injunction that would allow them to compete in the in the Scottish Open. Um, What's interesting, and I haven't, I, I've, I haven't had a chance to talk to anyone inside golf about this, Rog. But um, right, what's interesting is I did see uh, an interview that um, the Golf Channel in the US did with Fred Couples, uh, and Fred Couples obviously playing on the Champions Tour now. He's sixty-two years old, but one of the nicest guys in the game, yes. and you know, Proper universally guy. loved, great talent humble guy you know just just a really good guy and they talked to him about the lawsuit that that these 11 guys have filed against the PGA tour and it was very interesting because he it, it had noticeably changed his view towards the the live side uh you know his his view had been look i've i've got nothing against anyone wanting to go and play golf anywhere they want if you want to go play on the live tour, good luck to you. I've got no problem with that. 
He said, but now they, they're basically suing us. They're suing us, the other players on the PGA Tour, is what they're doing to do this. And, yeah. and you know, if, if, if the other place is that good, go. Well, you, you know, it's, it's the having your cake and eating it too thing that is a problem. And he mentioned Justin Thomas, who obviously has been, along with Rory, perhaps the two most staunch voices in favour of the status quo on the PGA Tour. And he, he said that, you know, JT gets it now. Now this lawsuit's come. JT gets it that they're actually, it's it's not the PGA Tour against the live guys. It's those golfers against these golfers because the PGA Tour is their tour. So I think I think this lawsuit is going to harden attitudes and, and widen the divide, and it's going to create make it much more personal. Um, but I was thinking this week, Roger. And I'd love. I wanted to ask you about this. Yeah. And get your opinion on it. Um, thinking about live. Oh, Fred Couples also talked about Greg Norman and said, look. No one has liked him for 25 years. And, he, and Fred said, that's not me being mean. That's just the truth. No one liked the guy. And and here he is doing what right. he's doing and just cementing a lot of the things that we all thought about him, you know, when he was a lot uh, more integral to, to the PGA Tour. So, so that was interesting. But I've been wondering about this all week um, and, and seeing kind of the writing on the walls we have with the Super League and the, the fact that Liv looked dead and buried and came back and this, this idea that you, you've been – uh, talking about where it's inevitable now that this this stuff happens, and I and I got to thinking, you know, what is the problem here? And and to me, it seems pretty clear that the problem is the backers of the Live Tour. I think if if two things had happened, if Live was backed by I don't know Wells Fargo, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're a support. They're a sponsor of golf. If Wells Fargo had thrown a ton of money at this. And they hadn't made it, they hadn't made all the headlines about who's getting paid what. They just talked about a breakaway tour, a different format. It's not about the money. And they, you know, they make a pay the money, but they live out of their way to publicize how much money everybody was being paid. Right. I wonder what the path of this thing would have been, Roger. I think it would have been entirely different. I think it would not have had anywhere near the amount of pushback that it's had from fans, from golfers, from anybody. It's purely the the, the name above the door. It's Greg Norman. Uh, it's the vulgarity of making it all about money uh, in a sport that has always been about tradition, has always been about winning big championships in your, in your place in the history of the game. Um, and I just wonder what your opinions were as to whether... Well, we, we have said this before, Grant, you know, like, um, and it's that phrase that I always use, the status quo isn't working. It was one of our programmes that we talked about. I gave you the three reasons I believe that it's nothing really to do with live and people focusing on what you're just saying here probably um, are, are not focusing on the reality. The reality is that sports governing bodies, whether it's UEFA, whether it's the NCAA, whether it's the tours, they make you watch what they're telling you to watch. They don't allow for any um, mix and matching, if you will. Uh, You have to take the whole league of the Premiership, the whole league of the Champions League. You have to take uh, women's and men's together if you want to buy the Wimbledon rights. We talked about... A couple of things. Um, People just want to watch the box office in the modern media sector. 
that's what drives things. So you selling a bundle that includes a long tail of, of commodity um, sport is, is the market forces are not going to accept that. Second one, I think, if I remember, was the arbitrage argument that um, these organisations, by definition, uh, the, the box office is subsidising the commodity. Um, so the fact that the two big events that have happened, the European Super League and Live, have been handled so badly by people that have been really awful, in some ways is, is distracting people where they should be focusing on the fact that these are monopolies, UEFA is a monopoly, the, the tours are monopolies, and they won't allow people to come up with interesting formats that, in my opinion, I, mean, I understand people disagree with this, but in my opinion, could actually save the sport that is currently going down the, the, the plug. Uh, because, you know, every year the average age goes up. And what other evidence do you want? You're not connecting with the new audience. New people come in with new ideas and they can maybe have a go at it. And you get a UEFA and you get a tour saying, it's our way or the highway. And, you know, that's why... Yeah, I get what uh, Fred's saying. Oh, they're actually suing us. Well, yeah, you're the PGA. It's a players' union, you know. But what, do you just woke up to that fact? You know, the, the 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 PGA is, frankly, like all unions, the protection of the weaker member at the cost of the the, the person who doesn't need a union. In in, in that case, uh, and and like I say, these are market forces. Uh, it's all going to box office, and I'll come back to magic. <laughs> it, always, it always does. Um, and it's all about arbitrage. If you don't pay Bryson um, what his market rate is because you put him in a vehicle that is a union where everybody's subsidizing somebody else, somebody's going to come along and put a carrot under his nose. So I don't think this is anything to do with Greg and with the Saudis, as it isn't, wasn't really to do with you know, how awful Florentino Perez and, and Andrea Agnelli are, forget them. Just look at the market forces and relate them to what the media sector wants because that is what pays the bills for, for sport. So I, I, I just see an awful lot of hot air and angst directed in the wrong area. And I always just say, okay, is the status quo sustainable and working? And I, and I believe it isn't. It's clear that it isn't. That's my answer, Grant. If that if that works, yeah. No, it's just, I just I I, I, I pictured a, this live thing happening in a different way, and it, and it being much smoother. Roger, I just I just uh, I just don't think it needs to have gone the way it's gone because you know I, I think some kind of change is inevitable, but I think there, this could have been done. But think about cleaner, it, Grant. But, but think about it. Let, let, let's 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 scenario that. Um, so Wells Fargo comes along and picks off with beautiful elegance and wonderful comms um, the top 20 golfers in the world. Do you think the reaction of the tour would have been any different? Uh, if you go there... No, no, I can't, don't, Rog. I, I yeah. don't. But so what, that's but my... What that's I, the, no, 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 no. But what I think would have happened is the fans, right, would absolutely have been on the player's side. The fans, if this hadn't been about money, if this hadn't been about, oh, we're going to pay Bryson DeChambeau $100 million to sign up, we're going to pay him, and every, every single piece of comms around the Live Tour was about how much the winner was going to get paid, how much the signing bonus, right. So, And I think that's what's turned the fans against this. 
I think you're I think you're right that the fans want to watch the best play every week. And I think had they have brought this out and there'd been a a, a a rival tour that wasn't all about money, I think it would have been very, very different. And you wouldn't have had to win over the fans the way you're going to have to try and do if you live. I, 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 I suspect at some point they are going to have a massive rethink on their comms, as you suggested from day one, in fairness to you, and find a way to pitch this. I mean, again, it may be too late by now to make it not about the money because that's what it's been about the whole time. But if, but they need to do that. They need to find a way to make this about the competition, about the golf, about the players, and not about the amount of money. It's just that simple. Well, let, let, let me ask you a question. When you talk about the fans, and that often comes up, and we, we say it in the introduction to this podcast uh, from the fans' point of view, and I, I always answer people by saying, well, what is your definition of the fan? Uh, so when you see the fans of golf, I have got this image of old guys watching the golf channel in the background um, and kind of like whatever somebody of our age does when you're you've get you've you know so so the other version of that and this is where you have to concede a little bit the only other person that well there's two other groups of people in golf that I think can merit to include be included in this definition of fan is the new type of golfer that is championed by rigs of barstool you know you don't like barstool but you have to admit and in fact he's not very much in favor of live you have to admit he's done amazing things for bringing golf back into yeah. uh, a, a millennial generation and uh, this he's not he, so like he is he has brought golf back into to that and and the third version is the top golfers that that are what i call the 10 pin bowler community that that are swinging a club in a in a range so when you say the fans um I, I, I'm not sure what ones you're trying to win over. I think this whole thing about live golf is a, a little bit incestuous, the argument, and, and it's happening. It's happening, and it seems if you're in the tent of the incest that it's the most important thing in the world. But for the rest of the community, it's a lot of old guys kind of like shaking their walking stick at each other. That's you could argue that, Grant. Yeah, you could, you could for sure, for sure. Uh, and, and again, I think it's 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 too early to say. It's this is going to play out. Um, this is going to play out as as it as it unfolds, and I, and I have no idea which way it's going to go. But I find the whole thing absolutely fascinating. I really do. I think it's. Uh, I don't like it, but I'm I'm fixated on it because I think it's 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 whether you think golf's important or not, I think this is a lightning rod for... Oh, for 100%. The kind of, the kind of change 100%. Yeah, and so... It's I'm still that. astonished that, that well, maybe it is happening that the broadcast contracts and sponsor contracts aren't being renegotiated at the PGA Tour level, if not threatened to be cancelled, because that's the way the world works. Um and you can argue all you want about... But well, again, I don't think that's, just, that's not going to happen, Ross. That's not going to happen until... They get clarity on the world rankings points in the majors. I think that's if 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 the majors say yeah, live guys can play in the majors, then you're right. At that point, they will renegotiate all those contracts because at that point, it's obvious where the direction of travel is going to be. Yeah, but even now, you know, like um, 
and, and, and smart people do this kind of stuff when they're analysing sports rights. They can actually split it up as to who uh, contributes what to the overall pie. If you take the English Premiership and you split the values to the top six and the rest, uh, that's been done. Those figures have been done. They just never get talked about. Uh, well, they were uh, before before the breakaway of the Super League. There was that big six thing, wasn't there, in the English Premiership? Because they know exactly that their value is really high. So it's the same in golf. If you've lost Bryson, and you've lost Brooks Kepka and 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 you know all the other ones, just de facto the value that you bought isn't what you now have, and you've got a case to renegotiate. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree. I just, I just think you're in a you're in a much stronger negotiating position if you just wait a couple of months and see how this all plays out. You know, if if if, if world ranking points are either accrue to live events or the majors, they find a way to let them all play in the majors, then you're in an incredibly strong bargaining position, Roger. I think we'll see. We'll see. It we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, wait, listen, just before we wrap this up, there's one more thing that we have to talk about quickly and mm. that is the women's british open at muirfield which is you know fantastic it's fantastic <laughs> to see uh you know a club that in the last 20 years had no women members and was was uh was defiant about that so it's i just think it's this week it's been great to see the women playing on what is arguably the finest links course on the open rotation yeah um and and here we need to give credit to 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 Giles, our colleague Giles, because, you know, you may or may not have seen it, Grant, but he did a a nice post talking about when he was at HSBC, um, he pushed very hard for the change in in those rules there. Um, And, you know, so good good on him, you know, good on him. And, uh, you know, whenever in your job, there's not many things you can point to and say, well, I made a, a lasting change but that positive change that he drove, I think, is is worth mentioning. And thanks for bringing it up. Um, but as as we said two shows ago, I think this word tradition in golf, it's a double-edged sword. And, you know, some of the things have been traditions that are long gone and thankfully long gone. Yeah, I hear you. Well, listen, have you got anything else for us, Rog? Or are you out of you out of Well, no, the only thing, the only, the, the, this one I didn't, the only thing, do you see the Martin Tyler stuff about his comments on Hill, Hillsborough and the apology? No. no, I didn't. Right, so this is very prickly. Uh, so, um, you know, because you get in the territory of, um, well, what he did was this. He was commenting on... Uh, I guess the last 30 years of his career and he said uh, I think the phrase was you know problems like Hillsborough and other hooligan related events and um, the BBC came out and said they made their own apology we are sorry that we did not press Mr Tyler enough uh, about linking Hillsborough uh, with hooliganism um, Martin Tyler himself. I know Martin. I worked with Martin when we did Syria together. Um, Martin Tyler um, made an apology, which you know it was the kind of apology you would make. You know, I'm so sorry that people, um, you know, conflated the two things. I was clearly not linking one to the other, uh, and in fact, a lot of the commentary has been around the fact that if you'd actually written what he'd said down, the punctuations would have made it clear. Uh, the, the intonation that he wasn't linking it, whatever, whatever. The fact is that um, 
everything came out again. You know, um, that whole thing with Kelvin's um, headline, the truth, and and all of that. Um, so, so that's something that even I, I'm not prepared to talk about because it's one of these things that there is no way that anybody is going to open their mind on reality. It's an, a lose-lose. Um, all I know is that um, I live in a country that suffered from Heisel. And uh, once you do something like that, this never gets talked about. Once you are the, 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 the club that causes the deaths of so many people, you have to expect that in the future, you are not going to get the benefits of any doubts. And that's why, let's leave Hillsborough aside because that is too controversial. But that's why when you had the Champions League final a few months ago, a good few people immediately said, oh, it's them again. You know, because that's how brand works. And uh, uh, anyway, that was a that was the incident with Martin Tyler and the usual running up to the ramparts to get your apology in as quickly as possible. When, as always, Grant, it's much more nuanced than that. Yeah, it always is. And and I I, I haven't worked with Martin Tyler, but he seems like a fine, upstanding individual to me. It doesn't seem like the sort of guy who would who would um, you know inflame tensions inflame passions you, you can't commentate live on a sport successfully without putting your foot in it for 30 plus years if you are prone to saying things that you shouldn't say you know so I'm sure that uh what he meant and, and I'll read the story after this because I hadn't seen it but I'm sure that what he meant and how it came out were two completely different things yeah I, I think that I think that's right I don't think he was saying that that Hillsborough was was that um it's just it's difficult to comment on this because you're just not going to get out of it with any kind of like uh, yeah. benefit of rationality whatsoever. Um, so let's just leave it at that. Well, Rod, let's uh, let's leave it and choose to focus on Fulham's fantastic win over Liverpool this week. I think that should be the uh... no, no. That's the wrong mindset, man. Never <laughs> call a draw a win. You know, like you need to be going away, and this is Rod, you do you, you do you, no, and I'll no, be a Fulham no, fan. No. No, no, no. You you could have won that today. You could have won that today. He was in good form. Their defence is dog shit. Seriously. You know, like I got a lot of heat this week because I said Liverpool would finish fourth this year. I don't know why, but I get a sense that often happens in life, you know, that things all of a sudden go south. You know, they don't go south gradually yeah. when they go south quick. And for some reason, and I'm sure at 99 out of 100, I'm going to be wrong, but that 1% is telling me that this isn't going to be a good season for Liverpool. And you had a chance today. So don't go away with a draw saying that was a great day. You could have taken three points today. You're, you're new to this casual Fulham fan thing, aren't you, Rog? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, mate. Don't worry. You'll get the hang of it. You'll be fine. Don't worry. Don't worry. This is what this is what comes of actually supporting a club that tends to win the championship nine, ten times in a row, whatever it was. You, you, you get used to this. But when you're a Fulham fan, you take whatever victories you can get. Anyway, listen, that's that, that's enough Fulham for, for everybody but me. Um, uh, as always, Rog, 
Great fun talking about this stuff. Yeah, it was lovely. Nice, relaxing Saturday afternoon. Thanks for making the time. Uh, thanks to uh, thanks to all of you out there for listening to us. Thank you very much indeed. We appreciate each and every one of you. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, where you'll find links to a goalkeeper kicking a penalty spot and yes, links to Vince Scully that. and Bill Russell. Uh, you can do that by following us at Entertained R. That's the word A R E. You can follow me at T T M Y G H. And you can follow myself at RPM Como, as in the lake. As in the lake. All right, my friend. Arrivederci. Take care. Till the next time. Bye bye. <laughs>